to the Rookie Investor Podcast. Phil here talking, Gareth with me. This episode, we're talking about investing in a recession. There's been plenty of talk, plenty of news articles, plenty of experts, mm. plenty of jargon, inverted yield curves, GDP, <laughs> shorting the market. Inverted yield curves. See, this is the problem with investing <laughs> is, is people come up with these terms. Sounds amazing. It's... <laughs> It sounds like either a ride you go in a fairground or I don't, I, I, I don't know what. But Can it's, I ride yeah. the inverted yield curve? I want to go down. the inverted yield curve. You're too young, son. You can't do that. <laughs> yes. Uh, recessions bring the best and worst out of people. I think it's fair to say. Um, we see opportunity whilst a lot of people would see concern and worry. Obviously, we're not talking about opportunity in terms of your life, although there may be. Um, but what we're talking about is opportunity with investing. So... Let's crack straight into it because we've got quite a bit to cover in this because it's actually quite an in-depth uh, topic. It can get heavy. It can get heavy, um, but look, what we want to give you all is uh, a sense of the fact that there is opportunity, firstly. So there let's lay that on the table. There is hope. <laughs> um, uh, and look, you know, we obviously treat treat recessions with a bit of, you know, sort of uh, uh, sensibility. We are aware that it does cause people to lose their jobs. So it's not like we're going to celebrate recessions, but... Um, when it comes to investing, you, there's some unique opportunities um, that we'll go through, um, particularly for start-off investors, people that don't have huge amounts of money to invest, where you can actually get some great growth. So I think the first question, Phil, is what is a recession? Technical term. What is a recession? Mm. It's so a good question. question. Because nobody asks it, though. They, they put it in the media. They're no, like, that's We're right. headed for a recession. And they think that a recession is the stock market going down. Uh, but the technical term here is just off the top of my head now. A period of temporary economic decline during which trade and industrial activity are reduced, generally identified by a fall in GDP in two successive quarters. So the key there is a yep. GDP... Uh, a decline in GDP in two successive quarters. So that's why they talk about Australia not technically going into a recession yep. in, in 08, 09, because the GDP didn't well didn't meet that criteria for that period of time. Um, so that's kind of very separate to the stock market. It's talking about the economic output um, of, of a country and mm -hmm. um, you know the, looking at the wages, looking at the imports, the exports, um, and, and what people are spending in the economy. For sure. And it's... Always difficult. Uh, people just hear the term recession and they say, "Oh, well, it's you know, it's happening in this country, that country." Uh, you know, the last the, the the what Australians call the GFC, what I would just call a, a, a recession, started in the US, but then spread to Europe, um, and then sort of had so, some further impact on on sort of. Uh, Commonwealth countries and things like that. Now, as, as you say, Australia avoided going into recession. China, I don't believe, technically avoided going into recession, although oh, they, the they control they their own. Correct, yeah. <laughs> I was about to say, they, they control everything they do. So that's They maintain 8% growth every year for 40 years. It's amazing years. how they do that still. Um, <laughs> Japan, I think, is probably continually in a recession. So that, that didn't really change much there. But um, it, it's, you know, recessions aren't just a single entity. So you can have, traditionally, you'd have countries would go into recession now things like trading blocks like the eu have sort of removed that so if one country goes into recession the eu or a couple of large countries brexit um jumps up as an example of that if the uk were to go into recession it would likely drag in ireland um italy 
potentially Germany and France to some degree because because of the interconnected nature of of that trading block. But that also applies internationally. Australia trades hugely with um, America, and really in the last, I think the last. Uh, the, the GFC, the last big recession, it was the fact that China was just hoovering up iron ore, in effect, and other commodities and other raw materials okay. that had some part in, in saving Australia. I'm sure people would know much better than I would out there and would be able to say, no, what are you talking about? <laughs> but that's my understanding is part of the reason was that Australia, because it, it seems sort of odd. I mean, Australia is so connected to America, yeah. uh, more so even than Europe in some respects. Yet, yet Australia avoided that. And I think part of that was the fact that there was such a significant growth in, in um, raw commodities being being mined, being produced, being shipped, being sold. And that sort of managed to keep Australia out of it. But um, so that's really important. It's two consecutive quarters and GDP in a country's growth goes down. And um, now the stock market is connected to that, but not necessarily <laughs> the way people think, because... What sometimes happens, and we'll go through some of the signs of a stock market uh, recession, or sorry, uh, so what am I saying? That's completely wrong. Of just a recession. <laughs> just sorry, I'm just everything we've opened up with. Forget everything we've just said. Um, <laughs> what actually tends to happen is the stock market can be an indicator. Uh, what was the word? Use a correlation. So there can be correlation. a correlation between yeah. what's happening in the stock market and and what's then going to happen. So it's a sort of a. Uh, it's not a it's not a, a a mystic meg future ball reading thing, but it can give you a good indication as to what's going to happen with the economy. Um, so the next question then naturally has to be, how do we spot a recession? What are some of the key elements of of spotting a recession? Um, so you, you're going to look at you know how that definition of a recession is talking about growth and what makes up that growth, and again it comes back to two two of the core concepts around the economy. Um, employment or unemployment, um, and, and looking at you know wages, um, another one which is obviously linked to employment, and then you've got interest rates as well, and and those two really dictate like what you, what happens in the economy because the the chain of effects huge. You know if if jobs are starting to decrease, the unemployment levels going up, people have less money, um, they're spending less in retail. Yeah. They're not building as much. The government's not able to tax as much on, on the income. So they're getting less revenue and then they might have to lay off staff and then that just creates a vicious cycle. Um, similar kind of concept if interest rates go up too high. At the moment, we're in a low interest rate environment, but if they go up to 8 or 9%, people are no longer spending money, again, at cafes, in businesses, in, in those discretionary places. And as soon as they don't need staff, they let staff go because the consumer demand's not there. Yeah. And then that staff member again starts that cycle. They have less money to spend in the economy, yep. less tax for the government, um, and yeah, that, that's generally the sort of just historically that's what it's been. But we're in a really interesting environment now yeah. where um, unemployment is quite low and interest rates are quite low, um, and and it probably leads to that next um, next word or or jargon word that seems to. It's almost a buzzword now, actually. It's become that popular. Which is? The inverted yield curve. Woo! This is everything we don't want, but potentially do want. What is an inverted (laughs) yield curve, Phil? It is when the short-term interest rates uh, or bond rates um, are higher than the long-term rates. So generally, the two-year is higher than the 10-year rates. Yep. So just to go back slightly on that... So what happens, exactly what Phil talks about, what happens at the beginning of a recession is jobs 
start to uh, investor sentiment sort of slows down. People aren't investing as much in things. Job uh, unemployment starts starts to increase. People who've invested in the stock market realize potentially, possibly that that there is something coming. There is a recession coming. So what they do is they sell their stocks in in their normal companies that they're investing in, and they invest in government bonds, which are the the safest means of of protecting your money. In effect, you're guaranteed a return. Um, so um, what particularly in the U.S., and a lot of this is U.S. driven, we talk about treasury bonds. That's the, that's the government bonds there. And um, so what Phil is talking about when he talks about bonds and yields, he's talking about, well, it would be the same in Australia, I assume. It's, oh, it's the same, same system. Yeah. It's the same everywhere, yeah. But that's just the natural process of what investors do um, or you know, quite a few investors would do. So the more you're buying of something the more that yield will reduce. So if you're getting very low yields, particularly in short-term bonds, what it's basically saying is lots of people are buying into these government bonds as a way to protect their money. Why are they doing that? Well, because they see that something is going to happen. And of course, it's a bit of a cyclical thing because the more they do that, the more they're selling shares, which are then reducing the price of the shares, therefore bringing everything down. So it's a sort of a self-fulfilling prophecy to some degree <laughs> once that process starts to really happen. It's good old-fashioned supply and demand. It's supply and demand. You take yeah. your dollars out of the stock market, yeah. you put it into short-term bugger all return. Yep. Um, but it's safe. But yeah, you're mm. taking the money out of the market. So yep. you know, more sellers than buyers equals a market going down. Yep. No, very good. So... That's definitely a big key thing. And I think Phil mentioned at the outset of our podcast this week, um, what we've seen is that is that exact thing happening in the US. I think it was all at the end of August um, that the uh, the short term yields for bond for the Treasury bonds uh, was lower than the long term. Um, other way around. Sorry, yeah, was was higher than the long term. Sorry. Um, and basically what that would say, if you just type um short-term yield or short-term treasury bond price, you'll see a huge amount of articles, particularly the end of August, basically saying a lot of investors are seeing there's a recession coming in the US. Um, But I would certainly apply um, the same principles to Australia. We don't have those figures in front of us now, but um, I I, I could certainly see um, that there, there would be a similar situation. I certainly know I went to a housing market uh, conference about six seven months ago and it was interesting the it was one of the the chief sort of an analysts um of combank was there and she was saying it's 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 as you described it it's a very weird situation in, in australia there's yeah. record record low um unemployment um huge investment in infrastructure the largest has been in a very long time and um, there's wage growth not huge but there's wage growth yet the housing market looks like it's going to crash and that yeah. was sort of her message was it's this incredible sort of weird situation that is seems potentially will become the norm partially because a lot of that's influenced by outside things china being one so china's pulled back in investing in australia that's actually had a huge impact you wouldn't believe you know i know people are aware that that's happening but possibly weren't aware of the extent to which chinese families were investing in australian property um, and that's had a huge impact oh um, they massive impact on the aussie market Massively, in, in lots of ways, ridiculous. yeah, it, absolutely. Like the number of places that they buy um, in Sydney, apartments, and they just leave vacant. Yeah, that's uh, right. It's right. so yeah. much money, they'll just buy unit blocks, leave them vacant. And that's and their investment. It. Yeah, that's yeah. right, yeah. exactly. And so Incredible. the government has tried to stop it. I mean, there was other things like the Royal Commission had an impact. But my point is, 
there are all of these factors. And anecdotally, I was talking to someone about liquidations because liquidations is another way to look at spotting recession. Mm-hmm. You'll see liquidations. I mean, property and businesses particularly start to start to in, in, increase noticeably. So if you get a graph of liquidations in Australia, this the person I was speaking to was talking about business liquidations, and she said she's in that field, and they've seen a, a, a seven, eight, nine fold increase in liquidations over the last wow. six months. Yeah, it's huge. Yeah, now obviously it's starting from a very low base, but the point is there's, there are all these signs. Well, the first ones to go would be the the discretionary ones. Correct. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. I remember last time when I was at work, my um, one of my managers, and uh, in the GFC, her husband lost his job pretty early on, but he was selling like upmarket white goods as yeah. an example. Oh, that's first that's to go, first, man. absolutely. That's like people five, six thousand dollar fridge or something. That's pure. That's pure. <laughs> but we all want those fridges that talk to you. You know the one that um you can you can send Twitter feed, Twitter messages on and stuff. Yeah. You can tweet on it. That's what we Just want. But, yeah. things for but that's fridge. that's pure desire rather than than um uh sort right of in a, a growing necessity. market. Yeah. The commission should be tasty <laughs> Yeah. And just a flip side of that too, the consumer behaviour's changed a lot. Um, a lot of people are paying off debt. Mm. Um, you know, we've got low interest rates, so they're they're not necessarily um, changing their repayments to free up income. They're using that money to then pay down their mortgage quicker, yeah. pay down credit cards. Um, like I forget the exact numbers, but I was, I was reading a brief article about uh, what people were doing with their tax return. And this year, a lot of people were just paying down their debt. Oh, that's interesting. Is that a, is that a product do you think of... The barefoot the current investor. Climate. Yes. Uh, it's ruined the Scott economy. <laughs> Typical barefoot. It's what happens when you cut the lattes, people. Yeah. The economy goes Don't into a recession. The barefoot investor or David Coach, Coach, Coach. Koshi. Koshi. Um, You've got to buy your lattes. Always buy the lattes because that's what funds your own retirement. Well, it does. Revenue goes to the cafe. <laughs> they can bring on staff. They can buy milk from the farmers. The farmers can keep producing. And the great economy continues on. It no, does. you're right. And you're if right. you cut out that latte... <laughs> You selfish bastard. That's literally the, 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 if you've got a three legged stool, that's one of the legs that you're destroying by not having that latte. And so, what is that? Is that because people have a sense of the fact that there is a recession? Is that because people aren't buying it? What's driving that? That's just the highest level of debt we've ever been in. And is Um, that it? That's just mentally triggered. I'd imagine that's what it is. Like the credit card Mm. level is high, but I think. I think mortgages are well. I know mortgages are higher than they've ever been. Yeah, you know, because um, the property price is insane, and, and and people are getting into property for five percent deposit, so they're ninety five percent leveraged. Yeah. So people just want, I think, that peace of mind to pay down their mortgage or to at least try and eliminate it before they they retire, because that's what yeah. that's what the financial literature in that um, suggests, or that's what it says to do. Yeah. I mean, that's is a very honourable and right thing to do, obviously. But that's interesting you say that. So yeah. You know, and I hope you're already understanding um, that there's lots of factors involved in this. Well, this comes you know. to my bit of a fan of this um, I, uh, this type of economics called Austrian School of Economics. Oh, yeah. So everything we talk about is kind of like the mainstream where it says, you know, if unemployment's low, interest rates are low, people should be spending a lot more money because they have more money to spend. Mm. Where Austrian School of Economics talks about you can't predict that because people are unpredictable in their behaviour. And I think True. that's what we really start to see, people being unpredictable and yeah. not doing what um, these economic economic indicators suggest that you should um, you should do. Yeah, true, very true. And we also live in a very connected, a very, you know, we're the most connected uh, economically, socially, uh, environmentally that we've ever been. And, and 
So what used to be a country, like I said before, let's say Europe, for example, if Germany and Europe had a recession, it would have had an impact. <laughs> but pre-Europe, it really wouldn't have had a significant impact. Germany would have gone through a recession and come out and that was it. <clears throat> Likewise, Italy, France, you know, Denmark, wherever it may be. Um, however, now, because they're, um, all these countries are tied into a single currency, um, if one country, particularly a larger country, not so much a smaller country, but a, a larger country goes into recession, it has a significant impact, even with smaller countries. I mean, Ireland going into recession certainly had a knock-on impact in terms of um, uh, Portugal, Italy, Greece. So there is also this layer of interconnectedness that... Is it pretty um, much just Germany holding up that European economy? Well, they're, they're, <laughs> Germany and China ass. have have put... Oh, they're incredible. They're the third largest economy in the world. Oh, I mean, it's incredible. Be, no, yeah. they're, they're, they are, I'm just thinking you've got Germany... Germany and France. And you've got like Italy and Greece. And... Well, Italy, do you know what? The, you, you love Italy and I love it, but Italy actually has a very strong economy it's just that they manage their money really badly the mafia. they have actually yeah yeah the, well there's the mafia stuff as one side and they're just poor managers i mean they don't collect taxes they they kind of they're not as bad as greece but they're sort of similar again greece i mean greece has a, has a vast shipping industry it has um farming i mean it actually has these very strong industries but they just can't manage their money so uh, fundamentally <laughs> the the infrastructure is there so to speak whereas whereas germany germany has incredible infrastructure and it is very good at organizing itself. Money management. Yeah, money management. So they come out on top. France also is, is very good. But yeah, at the moment, definitely, Germany is propping up Europe. There's no doubt about that. Um, and of course, the big in interest there is Britain's now um, almost certainly heading. It looks to be like a, a cliff-edge Brexit. It's That's a, it's a, a no-deal Brexit. Absolutely. It's a no-deal Brexit. <laughs> so that will have a significant impact on, on all parties. But anyway, that's slightly oh, always aside. So um, we've looked at what a recession is. And we've talked about a couple of things about how to spot a recession. So hopefully there's some information in there. The best thing you can do is jump on, start having a look at what investors are doing because they tend to lead the way. Equity markets do tend to uh, uh, sort of um, change before recession happens. So, you know, investors are obviously their whole job is to analyze and check. So they'll move quite quickly when they see that there's things beginning to happen. But, um, the next, the big question, I suppose, and the big reason that we've brought up this topic is, um, you know, what what are we actually uh, looking for when it comes to buying stocks? Because we think there's opportunity here. Oh, so what, sure. where are the opportunities when it comes to, to, to investing in a recession or before a recession? Bill? Yeah, so you're never going to time it exactly. You're not going to time the top, the time that it drops or, or the bottom. Uh, but what you want to do is if you start thinking, you're starting to see some of these indicators that we've spoken about, um, you know, you, you accept the fact that your portfolio is going to get hammered. You know, you could lose 30 or 40%, but you also got to accept that it will go back up over the long run. You know, the stocks are going above what they were, um, you know, before the GFC um, yep. happened. So long-term, they're, they're going to go back up. What you do in the short term or what you can do is start to um, build a bit of liquidity and a bit of cash in your portfolio to take advantage of these mispriced opportunities. One of the best examples is Commonwealth Bank in Australia. I think it went down to about 23 bucks a stock. Mm. Um, you know, before that, it was kind of 60. went down to 23 in 2008, 2009. And then I think five years later, it peaked at $95. Uh, so that was, what, full-time return on yeah. your investment. Yeah. So if you're just stocking up a bit of cash, that kind of hedges your portfolio. Um, so you know, you're still going to take that hit and then it's going to um, gradually build back up. But if you're keeping cash and you're putting it in there and getting a, a 4x return in a short period of time, that's what makes it 
a lot more profitable. And so are you saying blue chip companies yeah, you are want... the way to look at companies that have a history of uh, successful management, things like that? You, you generally want the, the bigger ones. Um, the bigger companies will they'll always produce income. Hmm. Again, Coca-Cola, McDonald's, Starbucks. Yep. Uh, the key you want to look for is you want them to have cash. You want to have cash on the balance sheet yes. and you want to have them um, you know, producing cash. Sure. So you know, Apple can reduce, produce any kind of product or um, you know, come up with a new iPhone or something and they can generate cash really sure. kind of quickly. Yep. So you look for cash um, in the balance sheet. Apple would be a great example. They go over, was it? Now? I don't know what it is now. Two hundred fifty billion or something. Yeah. Yeah. So I mean, they're they're very cash rich. Although, funnily enough, they don't tend to dip into that in any way. They 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 haven't they yet had money, to rely. Money's so cheap to borrow. Yeah. Well, money's so cheap. That's a good point. Yeah. When they don't need to, they don't need to. So that's good. What about debt? Are they are? Is it good to look for companies that have low debt? Is that a risk when it comes to recession? Yeah, you've got to look at got to look at the debt, and you've got to look at their if their cash flow can cover the debt. Yeah. Um, sure. You know, so at the moment. Again, times are different. Usually you look at a, a stock and you think debt levels are high, not interested. Yep. But because debt's so cheap, these big cash flow companies can pay for it um, yep. out of their sales. So that's why Apple's borrowing money because they can borrow for probably like 2% and then what they can then do with that 2% return is, yeah. is you know, probably get a 20% return on that, their product. That's a sensible company. That's right. And they're and, not using any of their money. And they're not using any of their money. If, money. if they need to, they can dip into that, but it's very unlikely they'll ever burn through $250 billion too too quickly. But you generally want kind of decreased um, debt as well yeah. uh, because debt gets paid before anything else. Okay. Debt will get paid before um, shareholders, before the dividends paid, before... Sure. Yeah, uh, that's how debt sort of works. Sure. So good cash flow... Low debt. Yeah. Uh, what about the one that I've sort of seen um, people talking about? This is a little bit sort of off field, but it's um, companies that advertise during a recession <clears throat> tend to actually grow uh, better. Okay. I mean, I'm talking on a larger scale, but you know, so this is one of these ones you always talk about, Phil, is invest in what you know. Yeah. Well, if you know a product and you see it being heavily advertised and you know, there's, there's a recession on even. Have a look at it and say, well, hold on. If they're heavily, heavily advertising, actually, what's happening with that company? Look into that company. You may find it's ticking all these other boxes and it may it, be a great It's brilliant. It, it may be like a lag. They might invest heavily they're, in advertising. Yeah, that's the only thing. But yeah. when things turn turn around again, they've already consolidated their position in the market. Yep. And, and it has the best time to advertise oh, in a recession because yeah. everyone withdraws and that's you just right. own that space. It, it, it's cheap, exactly. You're going to get much more access. Everything becomes cheaper to produce, to make, and all the rest of it. That's right. I think it was Marco Pierre White, who's a, a British uh, restaurateur. He's the, he was the youngest chef to get a, a three-hat chef. He, he famously said... The, the best time to set up a restaurant is in a recession, which you think is so wrong. But when you think about it, he says you can get your suppliers cheaper and you get your staff cheaper and you don't need to do much advertising because you're unique because everyone else is shutting down, but you're opening up. So suddenly yeah. you get all this space and all this advertising space is given to you. So absolutely, that's, you know, keep a check out on that. And the other one is consumer staples, which we yeah. I think you, you might have mentioned before. So, um, you know, unfortunately, if you're that luxury white goods salesman, <laughs> it's, you're it's unlikely you're in a bit of shit. Yeah, unless <laughs> you can tap into some new markets. Um, so, but yeah, you know, the, the consumer um, staples and so things like, you know, toilet paper, cleaning products, food products, drink the products. You have to buy. The stuff you have to buy that you will have until the very end. That's the stuff that, you know, you can actually invest in. And again, you may find there's a drop, 
but certainly it won't be as significant as if you're investing in that high-end um, electronic goods manufacturer or that you know fancy watch company whatever it may be in in general so just, just thinking to yourself like think has this business model changed at all mm -hmm. You know, in a recession, is Coca-Cola still distributing to McDonald's, to 7-Eleven, to big shopping markets, to cinemas, to restaurants, to cafes? And if they are, then chances are that there's nothing wrong with that actual stock. It's just a reaction to um, ultimately supply and demand in the economy. Yep. It's only when Coca-Cola cut ties with McDonald's or, yeah. or Woolworths, for example, that you'd be concerned. Yeah, 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 sure. But, yeah. That's good. And then finally, in, in what sort of stocks to look out for, I suppose the thing is with the recession, so you have the recession, but what you have then is the period after. And Phil's talked about, you know, that's where you see your growth. So if you can consolidate your position during a recession, that's actually a time to invest you may not hit the bottom of the market, but you don't necessarily need to because if you pick the right companies, they can grow. So things like growth investing, growth companies, um, small cap stocks are, are ones that sort of tend to come up as potential investment opportunities because they're, they're businesses that are, are ready to grow and potentially ready to explode. So that goes into, we've actually did a really good podcast on growth investing and on small cap stocks actually. Yeah, so make sure to check those out because that gives you a really good insight into what they actually are and how to look out for those sorts of companies. And it's those sorts of companies that are, are nimbler, are more able to, to grow quickly. They're the ones that once, once growth happens again in a country, so the GDP starts to grow, the economy starts to go again, they're the ones that tend to grow quicker than a company that's a bit sluggish, it's a little bit bigger to be able to do that. So that's another one if, you know, if you're looking, if you sort of look through the blue chip things, you say, no, no, not for me. There is growth investing, small cap stocks. You definitely want to check out our other podcasts on that. But those sorts of companies fit that bill of ones that are ready to ready to grow when the economy starts the economy starts going again. again. Yeah. Cool. All right. Any other um, stocks to look for? I think we've covered quite a bit in there. Actually. Yeah. No. I just go for the cash. Cash is so powerful when yep. there's yeah when the recession's on. Cool. You can do a lot of things. Yep. And I for me it's definitely consumer staples. Um, you know. Coca-Cola, you can't go wrong. These big name brands that are have enough money in the bank to, to yeah, what, what sort of Phil was saying, have enough money in the bank to cover themselves. So, um, look, there's quite a bit in there. The other thing's probably actually to ignore your emotion because yeah, it'll all true. be doom and gloom that you're reading everything and every time it happens, you think, oh, what if it just bottoms out and the whole economy crashes and the world ends? True. Um, at which point stocks, your stock portfolio is at least your worries. True. True. Um, <laughs> True. <laughs> uh, yeah, it's just being able to move beyond that. But even if you are too nervous in the next recession, um, go down, buy, buy a $10 um, journal and just write down some of the news headlines that you're seeing. Buy a paper, cut them out, put it in there. Take notes of, of the reaction, how you're reacting. Um, and that's going to be a reference guide for the next recession. Um, you'll be able to look at that and be yeah. able to pinpoint the exact opportunity and remember that emotion you went through. And, and um, yeah. The best time to revisit that actually is at the top of an economy. Yeah, right. The, the top of a market. Because it's all doom and gloom. And then you think, you know, when it's six, seven years later, you look back at that, you're like, oh, I wish I'd have taken action or I wish. Yeah, you know, okay, I'd that's done good. This. That's a good so action point uh, for you to do. No, yeah. definitely. Very interesting. Well, look, brilliant. Um, this is a hot topic for sure. Um, we, we don't know, but the signs are indicating that the US uh, is, is, is sort of potentially it's more likely than unlikely uh or, or at least the likelihood is growing that it'll go into recession um australia we, we don't know what's going to happen but at least from this you can take away that 
you know, it doesn't have to be all doom and gloom. There is opportunity for the investor that's willing to back themselves and, you know, willing to, uh, to, to, to take that chance. And really, we don't think there's, you know, huge chance if you like with everything, you, you do your education, you do your learning, um, you, you'll be very well prepared to ensure that you pick the right stock. So thank you so much for listening. And uh, before we go as well, uh, we have uh, it's the, probably the best time to be to be getting into this. We've got the 10 day rookie investor challenge. Um, so it's a, a 10 day challenge where once you sign up, you get 10 emails with 10 videos um, over 10 days. So <laughs> video a day um, showing you everything from um, the very beginnings of understanding how the stock market works all the way through to different types of investing to, to some really good strategies and then finally to actually signing up and starting to invest so if you're someone that's sitting on the fence you don't know or if you're someone that spent a huge amount of money investing in comsec or in 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 sort of other other brokers um we can, we've actually found a way certainly from australians to invest in the in the us market that's um, free to invest so you're not having to pay pay for the investment but we're also giving you an incredible amount of information and knowledge so that you've got the confidence to be able to take that money that you have and put your money where your mouth is um, and at the end of the the 10 day course you're ready to invest and you invest and we've had huge success with the people that have done it it's, it's been awesome um lots of really excited people saying oh brilliant you know i couldn't have done this without we're just getting people into the stock market for the first time oh, it's cool just so yeah. thrilled with it it's just awesome being able to yeah. buy that stock so yeah if you need to investing you're sitting on the sidelines um, yeah, jump on that at cheekyinvestor.com forward slash 10 day challenge. We'll have a link. We'll have a link at the podcast. Have a link in here. Yep. But if you're also keen, if you've been investing for a while and you want to polish up and you want to take it to the next level, um, you're probably keen on our masterclass. That's where we start going through um, a detailed plan on how to analyze growth stocks, how to value companies. Uh, we're going to how to read charts and day trade as well. So you can pick that up at cheekyinvestor.com forward slash masterclass sign up. Yep. Um, there'll be another link there as well. Yep. Or if you want to learn some more information about that, um, shoot me a message on, on Facebook. Just head to Cheeky Investor on Facebook and um, we can chat about it there and make sure it's um, the right program for you. Sweet. Well, thank you all for listening. Uh, and uh, yeah, stay strong, stay positive. And uh, we'll check you out next week.